I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 550 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, boy, do I have an excellent guest for you guys today. General Keith Kellogg joins me on First Class Fatherhood. General Kellogg is a highly decorated combat veteran who received the Silver Star, the Bronze Star for Valor, and many other service awards. He served our nation for 36 years in the United States Army, retiring as a three-star general. But his service to our country did not end right there. He served in the Trump administration as the National Security Advisor to Vice President Pence, the Executive Secretary and Chief of Staff of the United States National Security Council, as well as the National Security Advisor to the President. He's got a new book out right now titled War by Other Means, A General in the Trump White House. The link to the book is in the description of today's podcast. The book was given the full endorsement by President Donald Trump himself. Himself. But more importantly to General Kellogg's story, he is a first-class father who has been married for 41 years. I'm truly honored to have him on the podcast today. General Kellogg will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with General Kellogg was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch today's conversation, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. If you guys enjoyed today's interview with General Kellogg, you might want to go back and check out my interview that I did on Monday with Eric Trump, the third son of President Donald Trump, who stopped by for a second interview. You can also go check out my interview with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who stopped by as he was actively the Secretary of State during the Trump administration. Uh, And since General Kellogg is an Army veteran, you may want to go and check out my interviews with other Army dads, such as Sean Parnell and Tim Kennedy. And don't miss out, this Friday we're going to switch over to the Navy. Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill will be joining me on the podcast for a second interview. He gets more candid in this one as he's a little bit more free uh, to speak about his personal life. Obviously, the Navy SEAL who killed Osama bin Laden and did this country a great service. So don't miss out on that. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the other upcoming guest announcements. Got some great ones coming your way soon. If you're enjoying the podcast, please let me with a rating and review. Always goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please let me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with General Kellogg. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. What's doing, dads? I've got two ways for you guys to save money and support First Class Fatherhood. First up, the NFL season is back and the stands are packed once again with fans the way it's supposed to be. If you plan on taking your kids, going with your family, or going with the guys to the game, save $20 on your tickets by going to SeatGeek.com or using the SeatGeek app and use my promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, First Class, and you're going to save $20 off your tickets. Okay, and secondly, you got to go to MyPillow.com and save up to 66% off using my promo code FATHERHOOD. MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD. I'll tell you right now, their pillows are great, but their mattress toppers, their towels, their bathrobes are next level. You got to check them out. MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD, and you're going to save up to 66% off your order. All right, you got that, guys? SeatGeek, save $20 on your tickets, promo code over there, first class. My pillow, promo code over there, fatherhood. All right, two ways for you guys to save money and support first class fatherhood. Joining me now, first class father, General Kellogg. Welcome to first class fatherhood. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. 
All right, let's start it like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they? Okay, I've got three. I've got my oldest is a boy, and he's 37. And my second is a daughter, and she is 35. And uh, the last one is uh, my son, my youngest son, that we call him our Panama baby, baby because it was one of those, oh, you're what, when my wife told me she was pregnant. And he is 28. Wow, very cool. And obviously, you've had a very long, extensive career here. Um, a highly decorated combat veteran here. So uh, if you could, and thank you for your service, if you could, please, just in a, in a capsule form here, hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I, when I came into the military, I was, you know, I'm a little bit older than most probably. I, you know, went in out of ROTC, went to, to the Army, went to the 101st Airborne Division, deployed to Vietnam, eventually two deployments there. You know, went through the normal command tours that somebody would have in the infantry in the United States Army, eventually uh, commanded the Army's 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Went up to Washington, D.C. for your obligatory staff tours, you know, there. And then I left uh, the military after uh, 34 years and I went into the business world. And then uh, after the business world, spent about 10 years, it kind of went on those, okay, I've done that now. And I kind of searched out to do something different. And I decided to become a, an advisor to a political candidate. And uh, some people said, well, they knew various candidates that were there to go advise in the 2016 presidential campaign. And I said, I, the only guy I really liked that I want to do it with is Donald J. Trump, and nobody knew him. So I went up there and offered my services, and he accepted it. And uh, I used to say the reason he accepted it, when he asked after the interview, well, how much is this going to cost me? I said, nothing. I want to do a pro bono. He said, you're hired. You know, he had, he's a businessman. He'd take it for free in a heartbeat. And then after that, I you know went on the campaign with him. Eventually, uh, after he won the election, went into the, uh, into the White House and on the national security team and spent – Every single day in, in White House with him it was the longest serving national security advisor he had. Uh, you know, when you take uh, Mike Flynn, who was the NSA, and then you added H.R. McMaster and then John Bolton and then Robert O'Brien, I when you combine all their time together, I still beat them all by 33 days. And then at the end of that, uh, came out of the White House and went back into the uh, private sector to do uh, work with a, um, a, a nonprofit here, a 501c3 called America First Policy Institute, and that's where I stand today. Yeah, what, what an incredible journey you've had here, General. And if you could now, I know you said your oldest is 37, so it, take me back to the beginning for you. About how old were you then when you first became a dad, and how did becoming a father change your perspective on life? Yeah, well, I, 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 I started late, um, and my wife likes to say she was you know, a, a teenager when we married. It's not true, <laughs> but, we, but we started late, and uh, and you know, we'd always have wanted to have children and, uh, and Brian came along and, you know, I, I came from a pretty good family and my family was a very, uh, just a, a great organization, family organization. And, and I kind of treated our family the same way as when Brian came along, you know, being the first, we were in a military family and they just, but I was kind of settled for it. And, uh, and I made sure I spent as much time as I could with him even though I was in the military, you know, for example, when I commanded the Army's 82nd Airborne Division and he was old enough to play, play baseball, then I coached the baseball team. And that, when you're an Army Division commander and coach the baseball team, that's kind of an interesting mix. But I wanted to spend time with him and work, you know, be with him as much as I could. And I just, uh, you know, it just kind of settles you down. It gives you a pretty good basis uh, in life going forward. And so, you know, he's, he's still, as I said, he's my favorite first son. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, very well said. And I'm always in awe by the men and women that serve, the way that they were able to balance that uh, military lifestyle and family lifestyle. I can only, uh, can't even begin to imagine uh, what that must be like for you guys. And one thing I talk about here on the show all the time, General, is that we got a fatherless crisis going on in our country. Yeah. We got so many kids growing up without a father or a father figure. Marriage has been devalued. Divorce, races are, uh, uh, divorce rates are through the roof. Uh, our, our kids are subjected to so much at such an early age now, too. And when they don't have that father figure around, it leads to uh, devastating results in our society throughout. What's your take? Yeah, I, I do. I think it's, you know, the family, I mean, it's important to have a father figure there because it's the leadership issue and you know, not so much the breadwinner because now you have both men and women into the workforce in, in significant numbers. But part of that is giving them the leadership, the care, the understanding of, of goals going forward that I think only a dad can give. I mean, it, that, that doesn't mean that single family parents are not critical. They are. There's something about a father that allows him to kind of anchor uh, and he sees what the father has done and gives him values and, and support. And I think that's important to a family unit. And, you know, that, that is, again, takes nothing away from single family parents. I, God bless them all. I, mean, I know how hard that would be. But I think just the father figure having it there gives, him, you know, gives somebody to, to emulate going forward. At least I hope it does. Yeah, and I always make that stipulation too, General, to make sure it doesn't take anything away from the single moms out there that are working miracles. Uh, so uh, I, I agree with you there. And, uh, and you know, I wanted to jump in a little bit to your book here, War by Other Means. Uh, obviously, um, you know, the, the Trump got slammed his entire time. But uh, talking about a father, his kids are all very respectable, all successful people, well-spoken, well-mannered. I just had Eric Trump back on the podcast here for a second interview. Um, so uh, I, I think... Um, yeah. We never we never even got a chance to really even enjoy Trump's presidency because he came under attack right 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 off the dribble here. So uh, what was what was the reason you decided to write war by other means? Uh, what is it about and what could we expect when we read it? Yeah, you know, and, and thanks for asking this is when when I went on the presidential campaign in 2015 and 2016, I, you know, I started to see a guy that wasn't what the public saw. In fact, the first time I talked to him, we were sitting in the office, had a talk, he went out and got on a press conference, and my first reaction was, who is this guy? And because he's different when the click lights came on. But when going through the campaign and then going into the uh, into the White House and spending four years with him as, as one of his principal principal advisors in the security, but only one of the five senior advisors, one of the assistant president, that lasted the full time. And I, I used to say two of them don't count. That's Ivanka and Jared because they're family, but there was only three of us that actually went through the entire time with the president. And and my daughter, when I started talking about during the campaign about him and also when we were in the White House, she said, Dad, you need to write a book. And I said, well, I don't do books. And she said, no, you really need to write a book and it needs to be behind closed doors. She said, you see a president that the rest of the world doesn't see. You know, you see him when he's private, when he's sitting down and talking and concerned about things and he's uniquely american i mean he's whip smart he's got incredibly good instincts and and i wanted to make sure that the people saw it and so when, when i wrote war by other means you know i said okay i i got it his tweets were harsh i understand that and i understand he would punch back pretty hard but i would say to people okay but look at our policies um, from immigration to trade to national security to what we did with the space force whatever was out there the policies that he drove were really, really good. In fact, when you look now at the current crisis we're in, which is coronavirus, the reason we had not one, not two, but three vaccines, and more than any other nations combined, the only one that has put one out after, 
besides us is the is the Brits with AstraZeneca, and I don't count the Sinovac that came out of the Chinese and Sputnik that came out of Russia. Somebody wants theirs, but I mean he drove that, and he drove that through his tenacity and through his business acumen to make sure that the American people had it. And you know he told me one time, sitting there in, in the confines of the Oval Office, and it was exactly in this tone of voice, he said, you know. You know, I just want Americans to get better. I said, God, just go out there right now and say it exactly like that to the press. And he said, no, 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 because it's a religious factor and I want to show them that we're strong. But that's the way he cared. You know, and you, you mentioned a comment, and I have to say this very reservedly. You know, he has been married several times. He has children from each of his marriages, three marriages. Just all kids have come over one of the marriages of dog. They, they do. And when you, you look at you know, all the way to Tiffany, uh, you, when you look at Ivanka and, and when you look at, uh, you know, Jared, or not Jared, but you look at uh, Don and you look at uh, Eric, you know, the, they all just really think the world of me. And they all came from different marriages that were out there. And I mean, he's really something. Then you look at Baron, who's incredible. He's, you know, I think he's now 6'4". But I mean, he's a great athlete. He's a great kid. He was good to be around. And then you say, okay, there's got to be something about a dad if all the kids adore him. Uh, and, and actually, his wives love him as well. There's something there with a the guy. And I wanted the American people to see that. And I wanted to write about that. And I wanted to say, okay, there is a different perspective from all the books that you see out there and all the harshness in the books. There's somebody that, you know, I felt very comfortable being around. Not only as a former military guy, but somebody who'd been in business and then in the White House. But I think he served this nation well. And and, and I wanted to get away from the rhetoric. And I said, I got to, away from the mean tweets. What I saw as a man, as a leader, and as a president, I thought it was important for the American people to see and hear. Yeah, great stuff. War by other means. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. Yeah, and I, I, Eric told me I think Barron now is taller than him. So, uh, yeah, he, he's growing pretty quick. And just like you said, listen, it's a blended family. It's commonplace in America now. He's a shining example of that, I think, the way that his kids all uh, respond to him. So now, obviously, we see people have been throwing shade at him from inside the White House. I know I, I was I was at the White House 12 times myself with the media trying to interview Trump. I was working with Stephanie Grisham to try to set up a, an interview with him. And now she's somebody that came out with her own book openly admitted she didn't even vote for donald trump and she was his press secretary i mean that's alarming now she's not the only one that was on the inside that was part of this you know uh that was anti-trump did you see this i mean you were close to him did you guys have any idea that there were people right there working in the administration that were anti-trump or against him or that would come out and throw shade at him once the administration or once the presidency ended well, you know, the answer is it's, it's a yes or no. And let me go to the no first. First of all, I think people who work in administration and come out of the administration, you know, kind of say, okay, you better be very, very reasonable when you write a book out there. And because, you know, you, you can always talk about the salacious things that happen. Heck, they happen to everybody every single day. There's things probably in everybody's life from running a red light to jaywalking that you prefer people not see or talk about. And, and they're out there. And I say, you know, you, you've been privy to the highest office in the land working inside the White House, which is an, an, an incredible privilege. In fact, I used to tell the people in my organization, you know, you ought to thank God every single day you come here. And the day this place gets old or you don't think it, you're privileged to be here is the day you need to leave and turn your badge in and go home. But there were always people in there and, and that kind of had other agendas going forward. And that, by the way, that happens in business world and military as well. And they pushed back because they said, well, I, I think this is the way we ought to go. And I re used to remind everybody that you all never got a single electoral college votes. I didn't. Our job was to give them advice. 
and we give him the best advice we could. And once that advice was given, it was up to him to make the hard decisions because that's what he gets paid for. He was elected president of the United States. And I tell the military guys, you better, if you're, you're concerned about that, make sure you read Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution, which says there's unitary commander in chief. He happens to be the president. But yeah, I, I saw some of that because they always thought, well, I know better. No, you don't. You weren't elected. I told several chiefs of staff that and told national security advisors as well that that's not your role. Your role is to give advice. So you see that. In, and by the way, I, I've seen similar things happen in the business world. And you have to remind people of where their station is. And that is not a, a negative statement. But, you know, when you're an advisor, that's your job. You're an advisor. That's it. And, and a lot of people forgot their role in the White House. And then when they left the White House, they, they write these salacious books and they go, well, he didn't listen to me. He didn't have to. You know, the fact is you were an advisor. There's no requirement in his job description to listen to you. You weren't elected. He was. Uh, so I had, you know, I, I used to battle with some of the people in the White House to remind them that uh, who they were, how they got there, and that they supported the president and the people of the United States. And it was the inverse. Yeah, well, I'm glad you wrote your book, War by Other Means, too. You served honorably, so it's good to get uh, an honest report of what was going on inside. So uh, props to you for that. Let me peel it back into you here as a dad for a minute, uh, General. Obviously, uh, hardened veteran here, uh, a tough disciplinarian, I would imagine. So what type of disciplinarian were you as a dad with the kids growing up? And is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Yeah, well, when things got really bad, I'd say, Mom, this is your problem. You know, it's really, you turn over the moms. Moms seem to really do a pretty good job with that. Remember, you pretty hardcore. Look, I, you know, I, I think, you know, you, you treat kids as kids. I mean, they grow up and they're going to make mistakes and you have to, you know, I mean, I, I mean, not robbing a bank, but I mean, they'll make mistakes and it's part of the growing cycle. And I'd always like to have that you know, patient level uh, and, and say, okay, this is where we're going to go. This is what we're going to do and have respect for others. And, you know, I, I always believe in the, the golden rule, you know, treat others as you want to be treated. And, I, and, you know, courtesy, you know, I grew up my entire life. I don't care who it was. It was yes, sir. No, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah. No, sir. Going forward. It was one of those where the family I grew up in, uh, cause I, those were the value sets that I was taught. And I just tried to push those, not push them, but, you know, tell my kids, it was the same way. We, we were kind of lucky growing up in the military because it's so it said at that time it was such a very, very patriotic organization. And they kind of grew up living on military posts and they saw what the military was like. Uh, and there was a value set there in the military that all the kids around us kind of had the same thing. And, and I think it was just important that we, you know, stayed together and they saw that there was a, they knew there was an anchor in the house. It's sort of like why we, somebody said, well, why did you retire? In Arlington, Virginia, and I said, well, I wanted to keep a place where the kids could always come back to. It was like an anchor, and I think the kids wanted to have an anchor. It was the same way of growing up in life. They knew there was a value set. You know, they knew that they could always, you know, they they could always come to me with the or their mom with the worst thing that could happen to them. Just you know, they knew that, that I wasn't going to throw them out of the house. And there were a couple of tough times in our in our with our kids, uh, and it, but they always said, you know, we always knew we could come to you, and they they weren't going to do something stupid, um, you know, get mad at them and throw them out of the house or turn them in, turn them in or whatever it was, and because it was always a learning cycle for them. And I think, you know, I'm very proud of them. I'm proud of, you know, I've got a, a great older son who's now in the private world doing a great job. I, my daughter got her PhD from Columbia University after going to West Point, deploying to Afghanistan and being in, in the Army and got out and 
pursued a doctorate degree. And then my youngest son's in the military. He's currently deployed overseas. Uh, he's at Fort Riley, Kansas, a young company commander. And, you know, I never forced any of them to go into the military. Two of them went to West Point. I didn't. I wasn't smart enough to get in. Uh, they went there, got, you know, got their degrees, got, were in the military. And, and I never forced them into the military. They just said, we love the value set that we grew up in. And we wanted to continue to do that. You know, Megan eventually got out, but she continued to service by working with veterans. In fact, her doctorate degree is basically focused in on veterans, and she wants to give, continue to have service to others. So, I, I mean, it was a, you know, I'm very proud of the family. It's a good value set, and I'm proud of them for hanging in with me and, and, and still, you know, we're still a pretty tight family. feel pretty good about it. And that's phenomenal, General. I honestly, like I said, going back to that fatherless crisis we got going on, I really believe that if we can strengthen our nuclear family units in this country, maybe bring some God back into focus. I think 90 percent of the problems we're seeing across our country uh, would start to dissolve pretty quickly here. So uh, I, I love what you, you you stand for as far as the family goes. Now, how many years have you been married? Uh, Forty one. Uh, I, I, the other one, I got to be honest with you, I make sure I, I had it. Uh, I had it engraved inside my wedding ring just to make sure, you know, they got it right here, you know, and there and said, I just want to make sure it's in my wife always gets mad when I start to take it off. I said, I'm just kidding you. You know, I can't put it on. I said, you know, it has been great. I mean, it's, uh, you know, she's been the real anchor of my life considered all the deployments I've had and, you know, putting up with three kids, raising three kids when I wasn't there. And we feel pretty good about the family, the family set. Um, yeah, it just uh, it was good. It was uh, she's the love of my life. I've spent, you know, spending those 41 years with her. And like any family unit, it goes yeah, ups and downs, hard times, good times, you know, tough times. You know, you know, I just give you one example. We nearly lost our daughter at birth. And, you know, that was pretty hard to go through. My wife had cancer. Uh, you know, she had breast cancer and those were hard times to go through out there. But, you know, as a family, you know, we just hung in there and uh, stood side by side. Yeah, amazing. And I'm actually 41 years old. So you've been married my entire life. I'm married. <laughs> I, I, I'm married 17 years myself. We have four kids. And you know what? We, it, it isn't always easy. And it's always at times I can look to guys like you that I admire that have been there, done that, stuck it out and, and, and are that shining example for young couples out there all across America. So uh, awesome to see what what's next for you here, General. Obviously, the book right now is out war by other means. What kind of goals, projects? If Trump decides to run again, will you be involved in the administration? What's next for you? Well, if Trump runs again, I'll be with him. I, I've said that to everybody. I, there's, you know, I really believe in the guy, and uh, and I I talk to him occasionally. You know, well, actually, frequently. Just talked to him the other night. But we're part of a. I joined up, and we created a 501c3, which is a nonprofit called America First Policy Institute, because what we wanted to do was keep the policies that we had in the last four years. Now we thought we were pretty good policies, and continue to have a baseline for that. In fact, we talked to Senator Senator Lindsey Graham. He said, you know, you guys are actually the think tank for the next administration if it comes in a Republican administration and gives a lot of political entities a baseline going forward. It's it's what uh, Republicans have never had before because we're not a huge, huge nonprofit like your Hoover, your Heritage, but we're really, really focused in on the American people. You know, I, part of our preamble is, you know, remember the first three year three first three words of the Constitution, we the people, and we're focused in on them. So, you know, we've got 100 people now, you know, on the payroll, uh, putting a lot of policy papers. And, and for you, anybody out there listening, you go to America First Policy Institute. We're there. You can pull up and see what we're doing. And then I run the uh, national security element with uh, in uh, AFPI. So it keeps me busy. It keeps me off the streets. And it's a lot of fun. Forces my brain to keep working. And as my wife has told me, she told me 41 years ago, uh, I married you for better or worse, not for lunch. Get out, find a job, do work. So I do that. So it's fun.
<laughs> yeah, great stuff, General. All right, listen, last thing I want to hit you with here, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Yeah, you know, my, it's a great question. I'd say have patience um, because there's going to be times when, uh, first of all, when you have a firstborn, the first thing I remember going back and then the second and third, am I ever going to sleep the night again? Ever, because you never think you are, and it's a shared responsibility. Uh, and have the patience because there will be good days and bad days, and understand that. And there, that every day that you have with your with your child is a blessing from God, and that you need to help guide that child forward. And and, and patience is a key virtue to have it because the child will make mistakes, just like you made as a parent, I made you know, going forward in life. And I think you need to understand that and give them the best guidance you can. Let them grow. Let he or she grow out there. And that's one of the things I always do with, with my kids. Is look, I, you know, you, I know you're going to make, I never told them that. I know you're going to make mistakes, but, you know, I wasn't going to throw them out with the bathwater. I was going to say, okay, let's learn from that. And so if you've got the patience and, and the faith in that they're going to grow and be something good, I think that they're going to turn out quite well. Just have the confidence that that they're going to be okay. As long as you're you're alongside of them, you know, there's kind of your hand on the shoulder as they continue to grow, uh, that you're going to be there for them if things ever go bad and and have faith that things will turn out OK. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. The link to the book and the charity is in the description of today's podcast episode. General Kellogg, your first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Yeah, thanks for having me. I do appreciate it very much. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to General Keith Kellogg for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Don't forget to check out his new book, War by Other Means, A General in the Trump White House. The link to that book is in the description of today's podcast episode. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast and you want to get a better night's sleep, go visit MyPillow.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout, and you will save up to 66% on your order. Believe me, if you have never slept on that mattress topper, you will thank me. So uh, hit me up and let me know what you think. Order that mattress topper from MyPillow.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD. You're going to save up to 66% off, and you're going to help support the podcast. That's all I got for you guys today. Rob O'Neill, Navy SEAL who killed Osama bin Laden, returns to the podcast tomorrow. Don't miss out on that. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers. <laughs>